return you now to your regularly scheduled program. Hey everybody, this is Josh Martin. And I'm Marty Hyde. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to the Tattoos and Jesus podcast. I am very happy to be here. Here at TNJ, we seek to blend the righteous with the ridiculous. Please explain. We discuss coffee, counseling, Christianity, and whatever else crosses our mind. We hope you enjoy it. Okay, let's go. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode, a Josh-free episode of Tattoos and Jesus. He is at the beach right now. He's on a transition between jobs, and so he's left me alone, and uh, he said that I wouldn't do this podcast. So here it is. He probably won't listen to it, but i got a special guest. I've got a co-host today, and so I dipped into the family pool and pulled out my brother-in-law, Jason. How are you doing today? Great. And how are you? I'm doing good. Is this the... F- have you ever been on a podcast before? Never been on a podcast. This is number one. This is number one. I've had in mind to maybe even start one. But to start one. To start one, but I haven't proceeded. So you're the second guest we've had that said they were thinking about starting one, and to date nobody has started one. So okay. you're, are you are you going to defy the odds? I'd li- rather not tackle it alone. Uh, I've had some people wanting to, a couple of people, but... Uh, Nobody has really. Okay. Sh- have you ever been on the radio? Have you ever like called into a radio station? Have you ever been in the media world at all? On TV, on the radio, anything? I don't believe I have. So this is your very first moment. This is you breaking. No, that's a lie. You was on. You, I, we made a TikTok the other day. <laughs> does that <laughs> does that count? Does that count? Uh, I'm, let's just leave TikTok out of it. <laughs> <laughs> You don't want the world to go look up my page and watch you eat a pickle? Nah, not really. Like if you're, if you're listening, if you're listening, you're like, I hear this sweet Southern slang voice, and I need a picture to put with it. They could go look up the TikTok of you eating a pickle while we were on vacation. True, true. I won't give my TikTok handle so that we don't get a flood of views. Let's get to know you're a co-host, but you're also the interview today. So introduce the world to Jason Warlick. Who who are you? Give people like if if this was a bio, right? Like you just got drafted in professional sports. Rumor has it you was a good baseball player. So you just got drafted and they put up a little bio on the screen that says, "Hey, hometown boy Jason Warley drafted by the Atlanta Braves." What's it say about you? That was probably a dream of mine as a kid. Yeah. Yeah, playing baseball. Okay. So it just but, became a reality. What's the blurb? That sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes it don't work sometimes out. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Injuries happen. Uh huh. And you just you go a different route. Okay. Than what uh, you initially had planned, and uh, I guess working what work working was the uh, mm-hmm. thing for me to start doing. And so, kind of your theme, you just got to roll with the punches. Roll with the punches. Whatever. Yeah. Make it work. Yep. That's it. How do you feel like your family feels about you um, being given a microphone and a voice? Well, they've said, <laughs> I think you know that they have said I should have been on a long time ago. A long time ago. Not just not just a podcast, maybe other things, you know. Maybe I mean, com- television. Comedy, something. <laughs> <laughs> but doesn't that put a lot of pressure on you? It does, it does. That like you feel the need to like, you have to deliver. I don't. I don't feel like I have... 
I don't feel like I have that that much to share, you know. But mm-hmm. I'm just basic, man. But yeah. as basic as you come, yeah, that's me. So tell me if this is true, because you're right. A lot of people are like, dude, I mean, Ashley, right? My wife, your sister, be like, Jason's funny. Your mom, Jason's funny, right? So even if they don't think your jokes are funny, you're funny looking. So you funny all around. <laughs> I, I'll agree. <laughs> but you're you're reactionary funny. Like you're not gonna walk I, in a room and be like, I got a story for you. I can feed off you. F- you feed off the environment. I can feed off of it. Yes. So I got to tee you up. Is that possibly? And you're gonna Theo Von me. I wouldn't go that far. Okay. I wouldn't go that far. I'm not sure I'm <laughs> that level. I know your bank account's not that level. I'll agree with that. So let's let's play get to know Jason. All right. And so I've I've been told stories of your childhood, but I've never heard them from you. I'm going to throw out a story headline, and I need you to tell me your version of it. Great. Are you ready? I am. All right. Are you, if I tell you the Superman story, do you know what it is? It involved you and your mama. You'd have to refresh. You, you, that's convenient. You'd have to freshen my memory. It involved you at a time that you may or may not deserve a whooping, <laughs> and your mama was going to make you Superman. That doesn't help me. You're not remembering this. No. Because I've heard Ashley tell this story no less than a thousand times. Share a little bit. You want to hear the story about yourself? Sure. So is it true that you had a lot of energy as a child? Tremendous amount. Tremendous. little rambunctious, if you will. Uh, Some would say. Would it also be true that you and your mama headbutted at times? That your energy and her energy collided? That's that's true. That's true. So the story is... I, don't know if I'm, a, I might be scared. I'm a little scared now. <laughs> we can edit anything out of this, but it's not that bad. So the story is, one day you do something stupid. I don't know what happens, and you get in a whooping, right? And you turn around to your mama and say, the harder you hit me, the stronger it makes me. I felt that. Do you remember this? I do. What I, st- happened? I, st- I still feel that way to this you day. You still the harder you hit me, the stronger it makes the harder me? Life, the har- yeah. harder life hits you. The harder I try to go. Okay. So you turn around to her and you say, and I don't know how old you are at this time, nine, 10? Possibly. Yes. Right. You're not 16 or nothing. No. You're a kid. And you say, the harder you hit me, the stronger it makes me. I was tired of doing circles. You know how they grab your <laughs> hand and you go around in a circle? <laughs> yeah. She's like, chasing you, trying to whoop you. I was t- tired of doing circles. <laughs> All right. And so in response to that, she goes, well, then you about to be Superman. That was a good that that was a good line. I'll, I'll give her that. <laughs> do you remember this? I do. That might have happened a couple times. <laughs> but you don't. Oh, see, I, Ashley tells that story all the time. I think that may be her favorite story of yours from I'm, childhood. She must have been sitting there just enjoying that. Oh, no doubt. Tell me this: <laughs> Did Ashley ever get spanked? Not that I can recall. It shows, doesn't it? Well. I can't say that either. So, some days I'm like, you know what? If your parents would have spanked you a couple of times, we wouldn't be having this situation right now because you would know. I think she's a very remarkable woman. Oh, don't, don't take the good side of this. No, I think she is. And knowing that I don't think she ever really got a whipping, although she might have deserved some. Yeah. Uh, I think that I don't know if it would have helped her. She was just destined for greatness. I believe so. Oh, man. You got lucky. Yeah. Very, you got very lucky. I did. So tell me this. 
She tells me Jason's stories. What's an Ashley story? I don't know if I have any. I'm going to be honest. It seems like my childhood was a blur. Yeah? It really does. It seems like we were going and going and going all the time. Parents were keeping us busy, you know? Mm-hmm. Sports. And that's all we that's all we knew, it seems like to me. Did you like that? Somewhat. I do think I remember thinking it's a little this is a little much. Yeah. A little too much. And this is me saying after I throw playing baseball, throwed my arm out and yeah. you know, then you're sitting there wondering what you're gonna do next. Because that's really the only thing I ever played. But so you threw your arm out? Threw my arm out. How old were you? I would say 13, 14. So before high school or beginning of high school? Yes. Somewhere in there? Yes. What, what's it mean to throw your arm out? What, do you, what is that? What happens? I couldn't tell you that. I just know I was pitching in a game and I heard it pop. Really? I heard it pop and I was in tears. Sat on the bench. And that's all I could think about was pain at that time. Mm-hmm. And then trying to get out there and play again on the next games, it wasn't happening. It just like quit working like it was supposed to. It was, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't throw at all. And <laughs> never went to the doctor <laughs> or nothing, you know. I really? Mean, yeah. I don't know if that's how it normally goes as a kid doing that. Well, you got to think at the time I was coming up to mm-hmm. in the 90s, you know. Yeah, I mean, a I don't different think I don't. Now. Yeah, I think now kids are having surgery and whatnot. But at at that time, they went to the rules that they are now. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. now you can only pitch so many innings, uh, which is a good thing. I wished it would have went a little different because I really enjoyed it. But it opened up other things for me, I guess. Yeah. What 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 do you hope would have happened? What was your dream? Well, at that time, I mean, I was hoping to do the whole. You know, play at high school, mm-hmm. go to college, probably play, then hopefully make make it to the big league. But you know what the percentage is in that. Yeah. Do you think it is fair though, when you look back on how you were performing at the age of twelve, thirteen, that you? I mean, you'd have had a fighting chance at going to college. You were moving in that direction. You weren't living a pipe dream. Possibly. You had some no, maybe, skill. Right, and maybe not even <clears throat> as a, not a, not as a pitcher. Yeah. Like. uh to me, that was the hardest position there was to to play at that time. A pitcher? Well, it was the most demanding because there was no rules around. You could abuse the pitcher, basically. Well, if you got a good, great pitcher, you you just need a couple guys that can hit. Yeah. I mean, and they we had a few we had a few other pitchers on the team, you know, but I don't know. I I guess I had a little more I had a little more volume with my pitch, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason they use me so much. But, uh, yeah, I even went out high school, come around, and I went out for the team. And I didn't. I tried out for pitcher, but I knew I wasn't going to get it because I knew I still had pain. Did you, did you still keep playing in other positions? Or when you couldn't pitch, did you just walk away completely? Uh, I may have played other positions for a year maybe, you know? Yeah. But uh, it was it was to me it was over, you know it was over then. Yeah, I can tell that, that like that hurt. Yes, not just physically, but like that was a blow to who you were. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I don't know what I don't know what else. I mean, when you put that much time, and I mean we you know we would practice every day. You know, if not with the team, we was out. I was 
at home mm-hmm. with dad pitching, you know, and he was pretty strenuous <laughs> with you. Yeah, I've heard some stories putting and, y'all through uh, it. That didn't help. I probably threw more pitches in the backyard, you know, ten times more in the backyard yeah. than I ever have on the baseball field. I mean, you had a whole uh, pitching mound set up out there. Oh, Hitting yeah. cage. Yeah. The whole deal. I have no doubt. No doubt. <clears throat> it was nice at the time. Sure. Until you couldn't do it anymore. Until you couldn't do it anymore. And it was. I'm, I was glad Ashley uh, showed the love and desire for it. Um, in many ways, bat and ball sports, right, baseball, softball, it kind of defined y'all growing up. Because okay. Ashley went on to play college. You were on, on – but like you said, and I think Ashley kind of has reiterated that to me, for every pitch or hit she took on a field – she took that times 10 at the house. Or more. And more. Because really, I mean, your dad poured into y'all or beat y'all into submission, one of the two, because y'all were going to be out there taking some swings. No and, doubt. Oh, and yeah. throwing some pitches. Yep. Yep. She she uh, she had a tremendous career. Yeah. And what she done. Have I ever, I don't know if I've told you this, I've told people, the first game of hers I ever saw. I've heard, I've heard, uh, it's been a while, but I've heard a little bit about so, because, you know, Ashley and I didn't meet till her senior, our senior year in college. So I have no knowledge of anything. And so the first game I got, so we, you know, we start hanging out, dating a little bit. And so she plays softball. So I thought, well, I'm going to come to your game. So the first game I ever come to is senior day, her senior year of college. So on senior day, her senior year of college, my first game ever to see her play, she hits the only home run of her life. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she probably she, she had she hit the fence yeah. several times, right? But she never hit a home run. Not it wasn't first home run of college ever. Yeah, like she never hit a home run in a game. Right, she'd come very close. Right. Oh yeah, she could poke it. But anyway, it cracked me up because I was like, man, I thought she was little. Did I know that's the only home run she's ever hit in her whole life. So how that's, you're 13 years old and literally the, the pretty much the thing that defined you baseball kind of falls apart right you may have given it another 12 months try to bounce back just i mean does your arm still give you problems today like can you tell it's not like or is yes. it, pretty, it yes. does yeah but i i can throw like i i can throw i can throw probably i would say 95 percent the longevity in there couple pitches in no it's more than a couple pitches like 20 30 it starts hurting you don't think anything of that has to do with the fact that you're almost 40 years old here? Today, yes. I think that, okay. yeah, no doubt. But it was at the same like, Same thing. Yeah. Like after high school, I could do 20, 30 pitches. But that was about it. Okay. So how do you, at the age of 14, like, because basically what I'm hearing is, you know, a lot of people will go play college sports or high school. Like, you know, there's those people that – Maybe you know these who you look back and you're like, they peaked in high school, like whether it be the coolness factor, they were an athlete, and they've been downhill ever since, right? And so a lot of people finish college and it's like, now what, right? My identity's gone, right? Well, you hit that before high school, right? You're 14, you're like, my identity's gone. You know, I'm a baseball player. I put all my heart, soul, sweat, blood, all this into baseball, and it's gone. How, how do you handle that? What do you do? You occupy your mind with something else. For me? It was learning to love the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Yep, learning to love the outdoors. So that's when the hunting and the fishing kicked in big time. Yeah, 
big time then. That's what I spent majority of my time doing. Yeah. And my my dad, he never I don't he didn't even he thought I would enjoy it, you know. And he took me probably once or twice, you know. And the times he took me were miserable, you know. Really? No doubt. Like I mean, it was raining I, or wet, that kind of misery? No, it was cold. I oh, mean yeah. like we would have the boots at Walmart. I you know, the yeah. rubber bottom rubber mid top boots. Yeah. No insulation, you know. And I remember I remember going they used to be a stretch of uh game management down there in Whitestone and we went one morning and I believe I wanna say it was eighteen, nineteen degrees, something like that. And I mean it was cold that morning. Mm-hmm. And we walked in there and everything was fine for the first thirty minutes. But an hour in, we sitting there and I, I couldn't feel I couldn't feel my feet, you know. And they were hurting so cold, right? And I remember looking over and saying, I can't, my feet are killing me. He said, well, we walked this far. We're going to sit here a little longer. Yeah. And I was like, well, okay. But he showed mercy. Yeah. And I don't think it was another yeah, 30 minutes we was walking back out. But I just knew I had to be better equipped. So that was my goal after that. Because I enjoyed it, no doubt. Yeah. And you got some warm clothing now to wear. Oh, yeah. You, you definitely got to have that. If your feet's cold, it affects your mind. Yeah. So when did, do you remember the time? When, so did you enjoy it, though? Like when you went out, even though you were miserable, did you know, man, I could get into this? Or was there a moment that you remember something happening that you're like, it caught you? The hunting bug, it just grabbed you. Yeah. I, well, there's probably one one hunt I can remember where I was, you know, doing it myself. Mm-hmm. So you figure I was 16, 17 years old, probably able to drive. And uh, I went out and, you know, it, I think it was the evening and just uh, <clears throat> sitting there for an hour or so and had a bunch of a bunch of does come in and then had a what I thought was a monster buck. Yeah. You know, at the time I hadn't seen many bucks. Right. He come chasing a doe, come in chasing a doe and run around, run around there 30 yards for a while. And I remember just just shaking, you know. They call it buck fever, I guess, mm-hmm. you know. And able to get my composure and to shoot shoot that deer. It was a seven-pointer. So you got it? It's the one hanging above the fireplace. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my first buck that I'd killed. And uh, it it got uh, – so when I got down and found the deer, it ran off. But I found it, and it had never crossed my mind, though, when I went in, you know, if I kill a deer – Mm-hmm. How long it's gonna take me to get it out? Did you even know how to f- out like was it, gut it or anything? No, no. At that time, we had never done never. Well, at that time, I'd never been with anybody that gutted a deer, you know, yeah. and drug it out. Now, if you kill now, if you kill a good one that has some weight to it, that's what we'll do. But yeah, that just wasn't the way you did it. That wasn't the way I no, because I was fairly new, you know. So I remember it seemed like I drug that deer for two miles. Yeah. Up and down hills. It was on a power line, you know, up and down hills. Uh, but that me wanting to go back after that, you know, pretty much. That sealed it. I mean, that seals it. That lets you know. Yeah. And you still hunt a lot, even now. I do. I Yeah, I hunt more now than probably I've ever, I ever hunted 
Yeah. What would just a couple things like what? What is your dream hunt that you would want to go on that you hope one day to do? I, Marty, I don't. Uh, I can't say that I have a dream hunt. I think I'm living in a dream. You know, just if I could, if I could hunt every day, you'd be out there. I'd be out there. You know. Cause, I mean, you go to Kansas now. I would love. I would love to kill a deer here that made South Carolina books. South Carolina. So if you had like a a dream, it wouldn't necessarily be a location. It'd be an accomplishment. It'd be an accomplishment. Right. Get your names in the books. Right. Have you went and studied the books to know like what the standards are? One. You got to. It's got a score one twenty five. One twenty. Okay. So if people don't know how the scoring of a deer works, what does that look like? What is what's a one twenty five? It's judged on the mass, the spread of the antlers, the length. Okay. Of the antlers, yes. So I'm guessing that has to be pretty big. 125 inches. Okay, so that's an, an inch measurement. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a deer that you think compares to that here in South Carolina? No doubt. No doubt, yes. I've never, I've saw hunting, I've seen maybe twice two deer. I've saw two deer that's probably, that I know for sure were that. And the fact your name's not in the book yet, I'm guessing you didn't get that deer. No, I did not. <laughs> did you try? <laughs> I tried. Or was it one of those that you saw, I, but you couldn't reach it? I I tried one 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 of the one buck I didn't have a shot on. Yeah, I had, was bow hunting and didn't have a shot. So and he got hit like three or four days later by a car. Are you serious? Yeah, that's how I know how big he was. Mm. Do you know he, what he scored? He's one thirty high one thirties, I think. Oh man. You're telling me that buck learned how to survive in the world long enough to become a high 130s buck, but couldn't survive one more car. They go crazy, man, during the rut. Yeah. Chasing does. Doing stupid stuff. It'll get them hit. What is, so you've been in the woods a lot. You've been on water a lot. You've been in nature a lot. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the next question I come to, what's the craziest thing you've ever seen? I mean, I'm sure there's been some moments that you either feared for your life, saw something ridiculous. You saw something go down in this world involving nature. Well, around 2002, 2003, probably, uh, alleg- they, they started, South Carolina started applying alligator tags mm-hmm. to where you could go kill alligators. So we put in for it. And uh, we went to, I forget, uh, the we went to Santee. I'm not sure the unit that we actually put in for. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I remember going out there. We had three. There was three, three of us, and uh, we all had tags. We so we go to the hotel first, and I remember we get the hotel room for like two nights, right? Because we figure it's gonna take us two nights to do this. Mm-hmm. So we put our stuff in the room, get in the boat, gas it up, start going, start get start going down this river. Yeah. Well, we don't make it a hundred yards. And start shining a light. Now it's it's done. It's an hour after dark. We'll say it's ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. We shine a light down the river. We see a pair of eyes, and you could tell that it was a pretty good alligator. We ease up, turn the lights off, and ease up to it. And we get the bows. They draw one of them. Draw. It wasn't me. I don't think you no, shouldn't I, alligators with bows. Yeah, they're attached with uh, the arrows. Oh, okay. So you pull them back. Well, it's got a string attached, and yeah, you also yeah. got a, a float on the end of it. So okay. you shoot them, they take off. It pulls out a line plus that float, and you can just follow that float around. Then you pick that float up, try to get close to that float, pick it up, 
and slowly pull it up. And somebody either gets another air in it or you, when you get to the side of the boat, you shoot it with a pistol. Okay. So that's what happened. We pulled, pulled up that first one and shot and uh, pulled it up, pulled the pistol out and shot it, pulled it right in the boat. We ain't been there. We ain't been there 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it was 11 and a half footer. Good crazy. We pulled it in, going up the river. <laughs> we shine up this little canal, probably another 100 yards past where we killed that one. And there's, I'm, there's literally at least 50 sets of eyes up this canal, you see, right? That's terrifying. And we was like, dang. I mean, it was tight. It was a tight canal, too. And yeah. we was like, ain't no way. There ain't no need for us going up there. There, It looked like they were coming out of it. So we shine on up the river, and we seen some up there. But, so we said, let's go up through there, check out one of them, and then come back and see if they made it out of the canal yet. Yeah. So we ease up through there. We checked these alligators, and they were smaller alligators. So we turn around and go back. And by the time we made it back, we shine a light up through there. Well, they're coming out of the mouth of this now, every one of them. It's almost like they're coming straight to the boat. We turn the light off, and we get ready. Draw back, shine the light. We looking, and we pick one, shoot it, pull it up, load it in the boat. It was like 10 and a half foot, right? Mm-hmm. So, and the process of us pulling it in, right, tagging it, taping its mouth shut, it's probably a 10-minute deal, you know? Right. We're sitting there talking. By the time we throw the lights back on out, we look, and there's alligators all around the boat, okay? And I don't know if it's hard to describe, but these alligators were sitting there just with their mouths just chomping, like just chomping just like this, you know? Yeah. So we shine a light, and we was like, which one's the biggest one? And that's when we draw back, shoot again. They kind of disperse. That one pulls off. We get it up through there, shoot it, right? Wrap his mouth shut, throw it in the boat. So within an hour, in an hour, hour and a half's time, we done filled all our tags, not thinking about a weight limit. So as we're sitting there looking, he's like, we're, we're going to fire up. I was with my cousin. Uh-huh. We're thinking we're going to fire this motor up, and we're going to go on back. Well, as we start, he turns around and starts to fire the motor back up. We look, and we're not liking it's, there's not even two inches, and we're probably to going gonna, in the water. Yeah, we're going to be taking on water, and uh, so you're surrounded by fifty alligators. Yes, and you're two inches from going on starting to take on water. Yeah, I believe I don't know if you know seen too many John boats, but it's got they got like a round round part at the top of them. Yeah, yeah. The water was all the way up to that. You know, right? I remember seeing water up to that. So. I was, we was like, we can't fire this motor, big motor up because this thing's going to take on water. So. Because when the motor digs in, it pulls you down even further. Yes. So we done <sighs> tried to put all our weight up on the front, but it still, the whole boat was down. I mean. Tell me, how many gators are in this boat? There's three alligators now. Two 11 and a half foot and one 10 and a half. And weight wise, I, I, I would say. Hundreds. There's hundreds of pounds of alligator, but I would say like the 11 and a half footers, probably, I would say 200, you know, a piece, okay. maybe more, maybe a little more, you know, a piece. And you got three people. And and three people. So you got over a thousand pounds in a John boat. Yeah. Well, yeah, we got generator. We got, he's got a deck, had a deck on the front of it too, yeah. where you could get up and see out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of weight there. So we ended up putting a trolling motor down mm-hmm. and just trolling 
All the way back in. All the way back. All the way back. At any point, did you think you were going to get eaten? No, we didn't think about getting eaten. Because <laughs> let me tell but. you, if I'm in a John boat and I turn a light on and they 50 set of eyes on me, I'm going to feed the fish because I'm going to crap my pants. Right. Uh, it wasn't a thing. It, we weren't thinking we was going to get eaten. You know? Yeah. It was just like we're in a bad, this is a bad situation right now. I mean, I guess worst case scenario, you cut the tag off and flip one of the gators out to lighten up the load. I guess. I don't think that was going to be an, I don't think that would have been the first thing we'd have done. No? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think we was going to give up one of our alligators. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, either I, I'm taking this gator back or I'm going down with it. Yeah, I mean, we were just trying to, our whole goal then was we got, we we're trying to get back, you know. But you, it, it happened. You made it work. Oh, yeah, we made it work. So we went back in, got back, and then we was able to get our money back for the next night. <laughs> And come on back. Dang. That's wild. Oh, yeah. That was wild. Like, so you're like 20 years I was, old. You're, I, I mean, you're pretty young. Was your mindset like, this is going to be a crazy story one day? Or you're like, oh, crap. We got a situation. No. No. It was so fast-paced back then. We was doing. You're just going. We was just going so much. Yeah. That, that, that might have been in other people's eyes. That might that might have been the scariest time, you know. Yeah, but for you, it's just another night. <laughs> well, I have another story uh, of when we went offshore fishing, like deep sea fishing. Deep sea fishing. We leave out at uh, let's say five. It's somewhere around five a.m. in the morning, out of Charleston, going to uh, the Georgetown Hole. They called it. Yeah, it was about sixty miles out of Charleston. That's when you start reaching the Gulf. Uh huh. The other water. Okay. We was gonna go out there and fish, and uh, yeah. So the story, the story before this, is that the guy I was going out with, I'd went down the day before and picked up a brand new boat. Okay. That he had bought. It was just like the boat he recently had that we'd went out on, mm-hmm. to where it had a two one hundred gallon live wells. Okay. Well, he converted one of the live wells into a gas tank on the other boat. Okay. To make trips from. Charleston to the Bahamas without stopping, you yeah. know, without getting gas. He would do that kind of pretty frequently. Uh, but he, so we went, he, I got down there the day before we go out there and pick up the boat. What year is this? How old are you? I'm 23, 24. So still young, about the same time period. Yes. Okay. And uh, we go, so like I said, we leave at 5, 30, 5, 5, 15, 5 30 in the morning, go out for this long ride. You're talking two and a half hours, you know. Mm-hmm. Two two and a half hours. It was like a thirty-two foot contender, is what the boat was. Uh, so we go out fish, and we do phenomenal. I mean, filling it. You up. wanted to catch them, yeah? We caught them. You know, we was catching yeah. my my. I'm talking about good size, good size fish, groupers, snappers, and all this, right? And uh, I don't know. I'd say three or four, and it was three or three four o'clock in the evening. The guy, one of the guys I was with, the guy who owned the boat, he looks out across and he says, I think that's a commercial boat out there. And we was like, oh, okay. He's like, we're going to go over there. So we ride over there. And he asked that guy, he says, what's going on? And the guy says, oh, not much, just ready to get back in. The guy had been out, they, he asked him how long he'd been out there. The guy said, we've been out here for two weeks. He was like, dang, this whole this boat had coolers. Now this is a, I would say this boat was 50 foot. Mm-hmm. 
it had coolers all the way around the rails, right? Mm-hmm. The whole inside, the middle of the boat, right? Yeah. Was coolers. We asked him how much he had. He said probably about 40,000 pounds. We was like, dang. Well, the guy I was with said, we ain't caught any huge grouper or snapper. He said, if you wouldn't mind, would you give us a couple of them? He said, sure, I'll give you some. So as we sit at this boat, we're approximately 10 foot away from this boat. Yeah. <clears throat> that boat sat, I would say, seven, seven to eight foot higher than our boat. So you look up at this guy. Did in the water, right. Yeah. As he, he reaches in these coolers, and he starts, I'm standing at the, our, near our ice chest. Mm-hmm. He's reaching in here, grabbing the, grabbing the fish. The dude I was with gets on the front of the boat, and this guy's throwing this fish off that boat onto our boat, and he's catching them. Mm-hmm. And hand them to me, I'm putting them in the live well or in the, on the ice box. Well, he gets to, I think he done like two or three fish. Well, he gets this one and says, here's that big snapper. Now, this snapper, I'm telling you, this snappers, they look big, bulky in general, right? Okay. This fish was, I would say, 30, 40 pounds, right? He tosses it. As soon as it left his hand, I saw that it would not, the guy, <laughs> my buddy was not going to catch it. <laughs> okay? Yeah. It didn't go two foot off of where he threw it, from where he threw it. It hit the water. And you watched it, you watched it go straight down, right? With nothing said. No hesitation. My buddy reaches in his pockets, drops whatever's in his pockets on the boat, dives in. Dives in the ocean? Dives in the ocean. After this 30, 40-pound snapper. Snapper. Yeah. Dives in, and uh, we're just sitting there like, I can't believe that he just done that, you know? Yeah. Because I knew kind of what followed these boats, right? Like, sharks follow commercial boats. Because and they, bring, just threw bait in the they water. bring these fish up, gut them, yeah, and chunk them, chunk the guts, and put it in the cooler, ice cooler, right? So he goes down, and man, I'm telling you, it seemed like it seemed like ten minutes, you know. Uh huh. He's going, and why I say that is because we'd looked over and seen another boat before, as we was pulling up to his boat. This boat saw him jump into the water. It had enough time. To ride all the way over there and start a conversation with us. The guy asked, did somebody just jump off your boat? <laughs> and we said, yes. They said, are you not worried? And I said, well, I'm beginning to worry a little bit. Because it seemed, like I said, it seemed like we're going on. It, sounded like, it seemed like 10 minutes at this time. Right. There's some minutes passing. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden, all you see is a fish come up out of the water. And in the other hand, he's holding that fish. He got it? He got the fish. Everybody started clapping. Okay, it was it was <laughs> it was remarkable. I mean, you'd you'd had to seen it, you know. You'd had right. To, uh, so it was like it was nothing for him, you know. But through the fish in the boat, we turn around. No sharks. No sharks. I didn't. I should have asked him if he saw any sharks, but I didn't. I was just thankful that he I saw him again. Yes. Good gravy. <laughs> but he could hold his breath. Unbelievable. I mean, he dove. Clearly, he dove. When he'd go, when he made trips to the Bahamas, he was diving for lobster, and they would go twenty, thirty foot, you know, without tanks. I mean, he was pretty comfortable in the ocean. Oh, clearly. no doubt. So we turn around, start back in. Well, what nobody thought about was we didn't have 
the extra hundred gallons of gas. Because he's used to having an extra hundred gallons of gas. Right. So by default, he thinks we can go this far. He he knew what his he knew, he knew what it said on his gas gas meter. Yeah. And he's seen a little bit over a fourth of a tank. He thought we had enough to make it in, but then the engines died and we didn't have enough. So so after all of this, we you run out of gas. Thirty something miles out. I want to say 32, 33 miles out. And uh, at this time, he pulls out a, the cell phones and come to find out the cell phones didn't work. The radio did not work for some reason. It, didn't, it did not work. Mm-hmm. But he had an EPIRB. What's that? I think you're required to have them now. Uh, they cost around $2,000. It sends out a frequency to the National Guard or the Coastline Guards of where your location is for like a May Day, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he set so he ended up setting it off, and uh, at this time we're just floating, you know, hoping that they got the signal. So, not to mention, at, I think we was in the the sea was kind of rough that day. We was in, I say rough. We went in three and fours. It might have been fives and sixes, you know. Yeah. Uh, but we were sunburnt, and we were just trying to take, you know, trying to kill time. So, and once we you're out of power, down. you're at the full, you know, the ocean. Whatever it wants to do, you're gonna do with it. Oh no doubt. So I remember laying in the bottom of the boat, you know, just laying there, and the waves were the wet. Like I said, the, the roll of the wave was splashing on the side of the boat, and that water would come up over in the boat. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget that feeling, you know. Uh, but about I would say twelve, about midnight, or let. It might have been 11, 12 o'clock. Coast Guard finally flew over us. They hovered over us and talked to us. Well, the guy did not want to tell them that we run out of gas because he says it'll be all over the Charleston News because <laughs> <laughs> he had a reputation to uphold. He yeah. Told him, he told them we had motor problems. And uh, they said, instead of giving us some gas, <laughs> he said, okay, just hang out here. The towboat will be on their way. So, that, they so would, how long did you just float in the ocean between when the motor stopped and you finally got help? Like uh, how many hours have passed? I don't know, probably three or four, probably. Shoo. Maybe, yeah, maybe more than that. But a while. Yes, maybe five. But and so you could have just got gas right then, but because of his pride that he had to uphold his reputation, he wanted a towboat to tow. I don't know that they had gas. Okay. Okay. It could have been the same result either way. Yes. There's no telling. Yeah. But you had to wait on a Coast Guard towboat. Yes. To take you back to port. Right. Right. <clears throat> so, as and as we're sitting there passing time, he tells this story, right, of him going out as a, as a kid with his dad, because his dad grew up down there fishing. Yeah. And his mama and whatnot. And his mama didn't make it on a trip this one time. They went out, and they used to carry 55-gallon drums of diesel uh-huh. gas to where they'd have enough fuel to get back in, back to and from you know, wherever they was going. They would just pump it out. And, you know, well, he said they had to end up having a hole in the bottom of their boat. They pumped all the diesel out of the 55-gallon drums, cut the drums, got inside the drum, and floated there for, I forget how long he said. And his mama finally said they went back and notified somebody, and she knew where they was going, kind of. And a boat finally came and got them, (laughs) found them. Is that not remarkable? Dang! It didn't make me feel. The boat was it did not make me feel so bad about our situation. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's like, at least we ain't in fifty-five gallon drums. Exactly. Dang, that is nuts. 
That's yeah. I mean, he was somebody you wanted to be with out there on the water. Okay, he knew how to save your tail, no doubt. But he, he was didn't cutting, know how to keep track he, of fuel. All he went out there with was a pair of pair of khaki shorts. Okay, by midnight, he done had some black trash bags and had a had a whole jumpsuit. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, listen, Jay. We got we, listen. We got tow, the tow boat came. Yeah, I'm not sure what time, but it was like a constant. Mm. Pulling, you know, tugging, yeah, yeah. you know, all the way back in. We ended up getting back in at 11 or 12 o'clock the next day, okay? I think the tow bill was about $1,800. Dang. And he said, we got out, and he said, we got fish to cut up. I said, no, no, but no. <laughs> We're gonna, I'm going to go in here and take a couple hours yeah. you know, of sleep and try to learn how to walk again. <laughs> and Because you've been up for, what, like 30 hours at this point? Oh, no, I'm on they, I don't know. I ain't counted all that. <laughs> I mean, because you left at five thirty the morning before. Yes. And you get home at lunchtime the next day. Yeah. Talk about some sea legs. No doubt. Listen, Jay, we're about out of time. That's okay. You listen. We we two stories deep, and we've we've tapped out. All right. So let me ask you this. Talked about a little bit about childhood, uh, hunting, fishing, surviving nature. Is there anything else that you wanted to say before we wrap up this this edition of Tattoos and Jesus? I'm glad you finally had me on. You're welcome. And maybe we can do it again. Maybe. I maybe have a couple more. You might maybe have a couple more? I may have a couple more, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we maybe we need round two of a story time with Jay. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming on. I think it, listen, those are some stories right there. So I don't think most people have had that uh, that experience. It was it was something to experience. You live to tell it. You no doubt. All right, man. Well, listen, I appreciate it, and uh, I think everybody will enjoy it. And until next time, hope y'all behave yourselves. Thanks for joining us on another episode of TNJ. Don't forget to check out the links to any of our guests in the show description. And check out tattoosandjesus.org for additional show information or to submit your questions, comments, or curse words.